Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome to Parsha's Chukas. A couple of interesting Ha'aras. Uh, the Torah starts off in Parsha's Chukas talking about death, Tomas Ames, Adam Kiyomus Ba'ol, like the first Pasuk says in Parak Yudtes, Pasuk Base. And so the Ramban says a very fascinating thing, which is that the reason for Tumas HaMes is because of the um, Atzas HaNachash, because of the original sin of man that came uh, on account of the snake. And uh, one is only Makabal Tumah because of the Malach HaMavis, who takes the person's life. But those who dive in a shikah from God are really not Matame Minhadin. And the Ramban says that that's the Pshah, that it says that Sadikim are not Matame in their death. This is just an interesting topic in itself. So let me let me just share two things. We know the Gemara in Shabbos, Dav Nun Hamad Bez, and it's also in Baba Basra, Yud Zainam and Aleph says, Four people died, but Etiav Shal Nachash. It's had to read that. Rashi says it's Ba'atzas HaNachash. Other people say it's the bite of the Nachash. And what does that mean? So the Rakanti explains, and the Rakanti is a Mafarish Kabbalist that came after, much later in the Ramban, but he explains the Ramban, Alpi Kabbalah, in many places. So he says that Tumas HaMais comes because of the Malach HaMavis puts a poison in the person. And uh, someone that is matame by it needs tahara from this. But someone that dies b'neshika, which is a kiss from God, al-pi Hashem, because he's so connected to the shechina that Hashem just reveals himself to him and he joins. So um, there is no uh, tuma there. And the tzadikim are not matame. Now we know this concept of the tzadikim not being matame. It comes from Tosis and Bob Metziah, Daf Kufya, Daladom, and Beis. Tosis says over there that there was a Misa story that happened with Eliyahu and Navi that they were burying Rabbi Kiva, the great Tana Rabbi Kiva, and uh, Eliel was there. And the other Abundant asked him, what are you doing here? You're a Kohen. Now, this is a dispute in itself whether whether Eliel Navi is a Kohen, whether he's really Pinchas, etc. According to the Pirkei de Relazar, he is. According to many other people, he is not. Um, but nonetheless, that's what he said. And um, he answered that Sadikim are not Metaman. Okay? And the Ma'ar Vashemesh adds another thing. He says that the Gemara says in Ksubis that the day that Rebbe died, but la kuhuna. So what does that mean? That means that even the Kohanim were allowed to be matame to him because it wasn't considered Tumah, because there was no Tumah then. And Tosas and Ksubis of Kuf Gimel Obeys talks about this as well, and there are other sources as well. And finally, the, the Shevel brings down that the Zohar in Parshas Vayishlach, Kuf Samachesam and Aleph says, Velazar says, anyone that learns Torah, Lishma, his death is not through Yitzhahara. It's not through the Malcham of us, because that's the Nachash that causes death. And therefore, it's Sadiqim that learn Torah. So they are not Matami. Their body is not Tami. Um, and the Rebunah Shalom takes their Neshama themselves. Now, of course, the Halacha, we pask in that a coin uh, is not supposed to go to a basic forest, even of great Sadiqim. And they are, uh, we, they are Machmer on that generally. Uh, although throughout history, there have been people that um, have been makele about it. The general consensus is not to be makele because we don't know who's a tzaddik fully and who's not, etc., etc. But it's just fascinating, this whole idea. As Jews, Geshe Archaim talks about this at length, uh, we believe that, like the Gemara tells us, that um, that death is a passage to the future world. It's a place where a person uh, f- completed his mission and goes to, and he will be rewarded, uh, like the Ramchal says in Darach Hashem, he'll be in a uh, until Mashiach comes, he'll be in a place that's Me'ain, Olam Haba, um, uh, a form of Olam Haba if he did great things, or a form of Gehenim if he did bad things, and then the uh, Yom Hadin Hagadol will be the, the final 
uh, time when he'll be judged, etc. We know that uh, all Jews have a chalik in Olam Haba. Uh, one of the great things as well to think about is that on the grave of Rav Ari Levin Zatzal, he asked for people to write that when you come to visit me, you should be mischazik yeramuna in Tchiyas Mason. A person shouldn't go to the basic Faros and become um, uninspired and, and turned off and say, this is, all, this is all that life has to offer. Life is an opportunity, like the measure says, huh, that the sword and the safer came down together. And if someone learns Torah, then he lives for eternity. And if a person doesn't, he wastes his time, then that's the sword. That's the sword of death. Sadikim and their lives are called dead. And this is not to criticize the expression that we use, which is rest in peace. It's a very interesting one. Um, and of course, we do daven that a person should be, like we learned from Abigail in Tanakh, where she said, you should be tied up with God. There is a certain amount of peace that we want a person to reach in life. But it's interesting, it contrasts to what Chazal described, that Tzadikim don't rest in this world or the next. doesn't mean that they're under distress in the next world, but it just means that they are constantly growing and constantly learning more and more. And this concept of rest and peace that we think about someone just kind of sitting uh, in peace is not completely accurate. Um, we have to clarify that that we use the exact opposite expression, that Elohim Menucha, that Tzadikim don't have any rest, which means that they're constantly growing and becoming closer to Hashem and learning deeper and deeper secrets of um, spirituality and and uh, greatness. And of course, this idea of rest and peace, if we use it as Jews, what we refer to is just that a person should complete his mission and should not leave the world uh, with regrets or with unfinished business, but that they should be able to live a happy and healthy life and uh, be able to uh, come in front of their Rebona Shalom and say, Rebona Shalom, I did my job that you sent me to do. I purified my neshama as much as I could, and I kept it as holy as possible. That's how you gave it to me, and hopefully that's how I'm returning it to you as well. And uh, that's those are some thoughts as we open up the Parsha, which talks about man and woman's ultimate um, frailty. And we think about the purpose in life. Uh, death brings purpose to life. It gives us something to focus on, that a person is only here for a limited amount of time, and we all have things that we need to accomplish. Moving on to a very complex topic, and I will try my best to do justice. This is the sin of Moshe and Aaron, and that's important to say, because they were both punished, and this is a big point of contention between the Farshim of the May Mariva, what exactly went wrong? So Perak Chav Pasuk Aleph, we got a lot of Mepharshim, we should have Siyat to explain as much as we can. So Rashi explains that, um, well first, back up. The Ramban explains very clearly that it doesn't say in the Pasuk what Aaron and Moshe did wrong anywhere. It doesn't explain it at all. It's not Mepharsim because of. Now, that being said, Rashi explains uh, what happened here. Rashi says that Hashem commanded them that you should speak to the rock, and he did not say to hit the rock, and if you would have spoken, then the Jews would have made a Kabbalah They would have said, what a tremendous Kiddush Hashem this is, because this rock that doesn't even listen and doesn't speak, but yet it fulfills the will of God. So us, all the more so, we should fulfill it. And the Ramban says that this is Divrei Agada. It's a Medrash Agada. But it's not very clear because Hashem commanded them to take the stick. And so when you're commanded to take the stick, it obviously means that you're going to hit with it. Um, and so therefore, this is not correct, says the Ramban. Don't tell me that the shot is that he hit the rock. There's no sin in hitting the rock. It was understood when he was taking it. Um that he should hit it. So the Ra'im says that this is not true at all. He, he's always the defender of Rashi. He says that it's not true at all. When Moshe and Aaron 
when Moshe was commanded to go before Paro and he was to do the three signs, he was told to take the stick there. And the only time that he used the stick uh, was one out of the three osos where he threw the stick on the floor and it turned into a nachash. The other two signs were the water turning into blood and the tzaras had nothing to do with the stick. And uh, so therefore it's not appropriate. Now, there's an interesting discussion about this stick. Was it like kind of a magician's stick? What do you do with it? What, what is its purpose? Um, in today's world of magic, the magician usually waves a stick or does something with it uh, or hits something in order to make things change. So there certainly is a concept that's borrowed here uh, with it. But there is also an aspect of, of speech. Uh, abracadabra is the Gemara in Shabbos, which is abracadabra, I will create by speaking. And so there is certainly something that's being done by speaking as well. So it's just a fascinating idea that this magician stick might actually represent the sin of Moshe in some way. But anyway, so, and also the Ramban says the second problem with Rashi is that, you know, even if he did have to, even if Moshe did hit the rock, so, and that's what caused it to give forth water, the Jews could still make a Chal Homer. They could still say, wow, that's amazing. Look, this rock listened while being hit. The rock had been hit earlier in the Midbar as well, and that happened in the Tzivoy, and the Jews could learn the lesson from there, so he doesn't understand that. Um, also, what, what is the Marisa P? How did you rebel against God by doing this? Uh, this this thing this is, this is not explained very well, according to Rashi. And um, the Ramban says a, a number of different ideas, and um, the Evan Ezra has a number of different Shatim as well, and uh, we're not going to go into this at length, but the Ramban also brings down the Rambam's Pshat, which he uses very, very strong Lashonos against Hosev, Hevel Ahavalim. He adds foolishness onto foolishness. So Rahman is, is, is very, very clear that this is not a simple idea. You can look in the Arachaim if you want a list of 10 Pshatim about what Moshe did wrong and what Aaron did wrong as well. So basically, um, the Ramban explains al pi Kabbalah that there's a big sod here, what's going on here. That originally Hashem said that I'm going to stand on the rock and you're going to hit the rock. And that was said uh, much earlier in Shemos Yud Zion. Okay, so um, at this point, um, they were only commanded to hit the rock once. But here, Hashem never commanded how many times to hit it. And so since Moshe and Aaron made a decision to hit the rock twice, that was a sin. And, and you can look at the Ramban. The Ramban is very, very lengthy. And he explains, al Kabbalah, what exactly was going on over here. And the Rabbeinu B'chaya explains it at length as well. And basically, in layman's terms, he explains that you did not believe in me, Hashem, that I was able to bring this nace about uh, without you having to hit it twice. And therefore, that's a rebellion against me. And it's a rebellion against certain shamas of Hashem. And this is not the type, time, and scope for it. But the bottom line is that Hashem is And whatever this sin was, it's a very deep idea of how Moshe and Aaron were not allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael and would ultimately die. Uh, Aaron and Harahar in this parsha, and Moshe later at the end of uh, the time of the Midbar, uh, shortly after. And it's just striking how many pages of Mepharshim write about what the sin was and what went wrong. Ayin Sham for the rest, which is beyond the scope of this uh, forum. Moving on to Perak Chaf Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. So, by Yeshua Menashevi, it says that the Jews were uh, in a battle and they lost. A, a uh, prisoner of war was taken. So, Rashi says it was a shifcha. And this is from one shifcha was kidnapped. And the Ramban explains that um, anytime the Jews fought, they never had any losses whatsoever. Um, 
And so even when they asked, and Amalek attacked, um, nothing happened. Nothing went wrong. Um, no, They didn't lose anyone. And so therefore, um, Chazal explained that there was a minimal loss here, that this one uh, captive was taken. Of course, they got her back later. But uh, when you look through the Navi, you see uh, throughout Yeshua how the Jews, when they fought battles, they fought, and they generally didn't lose anyone. And the one time that the Pasuk says in in I, when they, they lost 36 people, Hazal explained that it was actually only one person who was um, equal to half the Sanhedrin, uh, rove of the Sanhedrin, and they explained why he was lost there, etc. But it, it's an amazing thing that when the Jews were fighting, they always had Hashem on their side. And that Siyat HaDishmaya was something that was instilled in them. They, they saw how Hashem was, was guiding them and bringing them throughout the Midbar. And throughout, and to bring them into Eretz Yisrael. Parakhaval of Pasuk Tess. So Moshe made a Nechash Hanachoshes. And the Ramban explains that, um, how do we know this was, this was a Nachash? Where does Rashi get that from? It, it says it was a Saraf, which is a, probably an angel of some sort. But he says that the Torah, Hashem likes to do a Nes Betochnes, a miracle inside a miracle. And the doctors have explained, and the Ramban was a medical doctor and very familiar with medical writings, which weren't many in the time, but that when a person gets bit by a, by a uh, poisonous dog or snake, when a person gets bitten by a poisonous snake, so if they see that snake afterwards, they're, they're more likely to succumb to the danger of the poison because they're overwhelmed by it. And we know that one's emotional health Im- influences their physical health. And so um, it's very important that if someone gets bit by a snake, they shouldn't see the snake again because it will... Um, unfor- it, it will uh, influence them and they could possibly die. And so here it was paradoxical that the, the Jews were dying in a plague and yet Moshe pulled out after they were being attacked by the snakes, Moshe pulls out a Nechash and a for them to look at, but it wasn't the idea of the Nechash and a that saved them. Rather, it was the putting themselves into like the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah explains. They were connecting to God and knowing that he was the one that brings victory and salvation and that is ultimately what saved them. And that's the nes betoch nes that shows that Hashem is really guiding the entire time. And finally, in Perak Chaf Aleph, Pasuk Chaf Aleph, so the Ramban says a very fascinating thing, which is based on a Safri, that what would have happened if um, Reuven and Gud had not requested um, to get Eber Yarden, if they wouldn't have taken the Jordan? So the Safri says explicitly that the land would have just been left um, or maybe burned down. And the Jews would have all went into Eretz Yisrael, and everyone would have, got, would have gotten everything. Now, you might be wondering why I left out Menashe. Menashe was not part of the request. They were just split up in order to keep um, a, a uh, streamline of half, half of Menashe was in one place, half of Menashe was, was in Eretz Yisrael proper, the other half in the Jordan, and that would keep up a travel line between them so that they would always have a connection to the Shvatim. But Reuven and Gud were the ones that requested it. There is a fascinating shot um, by the Megala Mukos about you know, why specifically those Shvatim, but it's not for now, right, at this moment. Um, but nonetheless, the idea that if they wouldn't have asked for it, they wouldn't have lived there. Sometimes in life we do things, and Hashem gives us free will to do it. And of course, ultimately, this was Hashem's plan, so to speak. But the truth is that 
there was a taina against them that they put their animals first and they wanted to live in Transjordan and not in the actual Eretz Yisrael proper. And uh, a person has to be very careful because the decisions that we make influence all of our future generations. And when we look at our life with that sense of achrayis, that we are of the grandparents and the great-great-grandparents of our descendants, we live life with a lot more kedusha and holiness. And we recognize that our actions are extremely impactful. A small action could have a ripple effect for generations to come. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.